I'm sure that you two get this question all the time. How often do you get somebody coming in that wants to talk to you about carbs? I mean, I can't even count on both hands the number of times I have that question probably in a week. So it's a very, very popular topic. Yeah, I, you know, I think the confusion's coming in that carbs are not really a food. They're just a source of calories. And then there are healthy carbs or healthy sources of calories. And then there are those unhealthy carbs the unhealthy sources of calories, and I think that's where the confusion comes in. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us. This is episode 70 of season four, number 265 overall. Too carb or not too carb? That is the question. And really, that is the debate when it comes to losing weight. It seems like there are two camps here. On one side, there is a huge push that says, well, no, if you want to lose weight, you cannot eat carbs. You have to cut every single carb out of your diet in order to be slim, trim, and healthy. But then, on the other side, you have this group that is saying, well, hey, Wait a minute, carbs are okay. Eat all the carbs you want and you can still lose weight, but just don't eat a lot of fat. And those are the two titans of the diet world, low carb and low fat, but only one can be crowned king. And so to do the crowning today, Dr. Vanita Rahman and dietitian Karen Smith are here with us, and they will be answering some of the questions that you were kind enough to send in. It's kind of like a quick bonus Q&A to see whether your health should reside in a kingdom of carbs or a kingdom of lard. Also today, we will be hearing from an exam room listener, one of our exam roomies, who is going to share her own remarkable health story with us. Her name is PlantFit Meg. She's a weight loss success who is now living her best life after losing 80 pounds and now keeping it off following a lifetime of frustrating yo-yo diets. But that's just the start of Meg's story. Because you see, she is also a cancer survivor and now a budding social media star and an inspiration to all. But we start today with that great debate, low carb or low fat? I'm sure that you two get this question all the time. Uh, Karen, let's start with you. How often do you work with a client who's like, yeah, I've been on these low carb diets to lose weight and I think that they're great. So how often do you get somebody coming in that wants to talk to you about carbs? All the time. I mean, I can't even count on both hands the number of times I have that question probably in a week. Um, yeah, so it's a very, very popular topic. And Dr. Rahman, this is something I believe that you and I even have talked about previously on the show. Um, the myth about carbs and health and weight loss, why do you think it, it still exists? And, and we're going to get to a lot of viewer questions today as well about this, but where where is the message getting jumbled up here? Yeah, I, you know, I think the confusion's coming in that carbs are not really a food. They're just a source of calories. And then there are healthy carbs or healthy sources of calories. And then there are those unhealthy carbs, the unhealthy sources of calories. So it's true, we, we should avoid the unhealthy carbs, but we should be eating the healthy carbs. And I think that's where the confusion comes in. Well, let's see if we can clear up some of that confusion today. And let's start with the question from Wilhelmina. Uh, Dr. Rahman, we'll start here. Is it harder to lose weight if you've regained it from a previous high fat diet such as keto? That is a good question. Yeah. You know, first of all, keto diets may cause a rapid weight loss initially, but then they often invariably will just lead to regaining of the weight. 
And for several reasons, one, they're hard to maintain. Second, uh, they're often loaded with high fat, low fiber foods that really have very high caloric density. So they lead to weight gain. But is it harder to lose weight if you've regained it after a keto diet? I don't think it's necessarily harder than it is with any other um, person. But what may be harder is it may be hard to make that transition. You know, going from a keto diet, one has developed a taste for very high fat, calorically dense foods. And then to go from that to say a whole food plant-based diet that's lower in fat, uh, you know, not as calorically dense, that transition can be rough. So it takes time for the taste buds to adjust. But I think people can have great success. And Karen, you just heard Dr. Rahman say that uh, short term, a keto diet, you cut carbs out, you could see a, a rapid weight loss. But uh, why is that? What's the mechanism there that's causing the body to, to burn all of that fat right away? Well, interestingly, people don't typically burn fat right away on a keto diet. So there's an amount of weight that's lost, um, you know, just from making a, a very big diet change. And typically people do. Um, and, and sometimes people do move to a healthier diet, even when they are doing a keto diet. Um, maybe they are eating more vegetables than they were prior to doing that. So they may lose some weight initially, um, burning through the, um, the carbohydrate stores in your body, the glycogen and which is stored with water, like that also leads to some weight loss initially in the beginning. And what's interesting is that, um, keto diets aren't shown to result in a greater amount of, um, true, you know, fat loss compared to other types of diets. Um, and I think what's so appealing to people is that they, they can, you know, perhaps lose a large amount of weight in the beginning, but that's not necessarily sustainable or healthy. Um, gotcha. Um, let's continue the, the carb question, shall we? Uh, let's take a question. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Mickey wrote in with this one. Uh, Karen, we'll go to you. Do zero calorie sweeteners such as stevia have carbs in there? And do they also then make it harder to lose weight? Oh, great. So if uh, a sweetener is zero calories, then no, they won't have carbohydrates. But what's interesting in um, sweeteners is that they often are even um, sweeter than, than sugar. And so our brains don't necessarily know the difference, right? Like whether we're eating sugar or whether we're eating stevia or another type of artificial sweetener. And so for many people, that taste of sweetness, um, you know, triggers that release of dopamine in the brain. It can increase cravings for, for sugar and for other, um, you know, sweet foods throughout the day that don't, um, that aren't necessarily uh, fruits or other healthy uh, foods. And um, another thing that research is showing is that a lot of these artificial sweeteners have negative impacts on um, the microbiome and, and gut health. And we know that the way in which we feed those bacteria in our gut can make a big difference in weight loss and um, disease risk. All right. Here's an interesting question from someone who has previously been on a keto diet. And Dr. Rahman, I'm going to ask you this one. Uh, this one comes to us from Heather. She wants to know flat out, how much fat do we actually need? How much fat do we need in our food? I assume. Uh, yes, cor correct. How much should we be eating in a day? Yeah. So, you know, uh, we actually have some good research from the lifestyle heart trial um, the research that Dr. Barnard did and patients with type 2 diabetes in, in, in the research that came out of New Zealand, the broad study. And it, all of these research studies um, were using a low-fat plant-based diet where about 10% of the calories were coming from fat. And this is where people had terrific results. Their blood sugars dropped, their blood pressures came down, their cholesterol came down. They actually reversed heart disease. So that's the number we want to aim for, about 10% of calories from fat. Well, she's got a follow-up as well. She wants to know then, what is the risk of eating just a little bit of saturated fat? Yeah. So, you know, whenever a food has fat, 
it has a combination of different fats, some saturated, some unsaturated. Uh, trans fats are not naturally found in food. They're really a creation of the food industry. So naturally foods have either saturated or unsaturated uh, and different foods may have different amounts of each. And what we really want is to, when we do consume fat in our food is to opt for foods that have more unsaturated fat and less of the saturated. So it's not that we need to go 0% saturated fat. We just really want to minimize that. And generally with a plant-based diet, we will because plants are generally low in saturated fat with the exception of, and I hate to say this for those coconut fans out there, with the exception of coconut um, and chocolate, which are just naturally very high in saturated fat. You're breaking hearts, Dr. Rahman. You're absolutely <laughs> breaking hearts right now. Um, let's see, Karen, this is a really good question here that comes to us from Kate as we're talking about carbs here on the exam room. Kate wants to know, can carbs boost metabolism and speed up weight loss? Interesting. That seems to be really counter to the keto dieters out there. Yeah, absolutely. The exact opposite, right? So um, some of the study that some research that has come out of the physician's committee um, has shown that uh, switching to a, you know, a low fat plant-based diet actually boosts the amount of calories that we burn in a day, like through that digestive, digestive process. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. And, and again, it depends on the type of carbs, right? Like I really think it's important that we emphasize the types of foods that people are consuming um, that are providing the carbohydrates, right? So we are talking specifically about whole foods, fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, um, and in choosing more of those types of foods, not the processed carbohydrates, then yes, our bodies can actually burn more calories um, when we are choosing those types of foods. All right, Dr. Ramon, we have time here for a couple of more questions here on the exam room. We're doing a quickie here on carbs today. Just a few quick questions. Um, this one comes to us from Melina. Oh man, this is one of my favorites. How does the body process simple and complex carbohydrates differently? So I'm assuming she's asking, what's the difference between a sweet potato and a candy bar? Yeah. So simple carbohydrates, what that usually means is sugar. So whether that is sugars naturally found in the food or added to the food. So a spoonful of sugar is a simple carbohydrate. A spoonful of agave or maple syrup is a simple carbohydrate. It's just sugar. Uh, whereas complex carbohydrates refers to things that contain fiber and starch. So they may not necessarily be sweet. So for example, if we have an apple, it has a lot of fiber. It has a lot of starch. And yes, it has some simple sugar that's naturally found in it. That's what makes it sweet. On the other hand, if we have a spoonful of sugar, all we get is that sugar. We don't get any starch. We don't get any fiber. And fiber really plays a key role in our health. It has so many benefits. It helps with our gut health. It relieves constipation. It reduces the risk of cancer. It lowers our cholesterol. It lowers our blood sugar. It helps us feel full so we eat less. And it helps our gut microbes thrive. So I could just go on and on about how great fiber is. But the key difference is when we're talking about complex carbs, we're including foods that have high amounts of fiber, where simple carbs, they really don't have much fiber. All right. Now, Karen, I know that you uh, love this final question. Uh, when we were prepping to do this segment here, I mentioned it and you got the biggest Cheshire cat grin across your face. So I'm going to give you this one uh, just so you can elaborate on it. And I don't think that Gwen, who is asking this, is the only person who's wondering it. Why do I have such a hard time losing weight whenever I eat pasta? Yeah. And, you know, I am a personal fan of pasta. And so I think it's important to look at how it is that you're preparing pasta and, you know, what might be going on top of it and how much pasta you're consuming as well. So sometimes even when we're talking about, um, you know, whole plant-based foods, um, which pasta is, you know, slightly processed, it, it still might only contain one ingredient, um, but it, 
it is possible, right, to overconsume some of these foods. And sometimes we hear the opposite. So with pasta in particular, um, because it is made from flour, some people find themselves um, overeating, overconsuming it, that there's a different response to their satiety when they're eating pasta versus eating a large salad or fruits or foods that um, aren't processed at all. And so that might be something to consider, just like being mindful of how much of that pasta you're eating and perhaps also looking at, well, what else is involved in that pasta uh, meal? You know, are you making a sauce that perhaps has oil or, or buying a sauce? If it's a prepared sauce from the grocery store, often they have oils, salt, sometimes sugar, things added to them that might make them more calorie dense. Um, and, you know, perhaps just looking at other ingredients that are in that pasta dish. Um, and certainly pasta is something that can be included and enjoyed. And again, looking big picture, like what is your overall intake of food for the entire day, the entire week? Um, and what uh, percentage of food that you're consuming, you know, are fruits and vegetables and beans compared to pasta and perhaps other um, slightly more refined foods? I think that you are spot on uh, with that assessment 100% because you think about what, what do people typically put on top of their pasta? You know, you, you've got your spaghetti sauce or your marinara sauce and then a whole bunch of Parmesan cheese, right? So that is going to kick up the fat. But then you also touched on the sides and somebody goes to a restaurant like Olive Garden, man, you know, those breadsticks are deadly. Those things are fat and calorie bombs. Have you ever looked at the nutrition facts for those things? It's amazing how many calories and how much fat is in a single breadstick, Karen. Yeah, absolutely. And a great trick when, you know, sitting down to a pasta meal um, or any, any meal, especially a restaurant meal for that matter, is to fill up on a salad, not necessarily the Olive Garden salad, which might be, you know, loaded with a really high fat uh, dressing, but starting your meal with an apple or some steamed vegetables, like starting with those low, the, the lowest calorie density foods, which are fruits and vegetables and um, making them a really big percentage of your meal, right? Like a 50% of your meal, even if it includes pasta, is you know fruits and or vegetables then it is going to be difficult you know to gain weight even when you're including pasta because you're still um taking you know you're choosing foods that are just very low in calorie density and they're making up a really big percentage of um, your total calories and dr ramon last question whole wheat pasta versus regular pasta does it make a difference yeah, it does. So whole wheat pasta will have is is a whole grain, so it has more fiber. It'll have more nutrients. Uh, so always go with whole grain if you can. So whole wheat penne, fusilli, elbows, whatever you like. Uh, and you know you can taste the difference. Whole wheat pasta is also more filling. So if you're trying to lose weight, whole wheat pasta is much better because you'll see that fiber is going to fill us up quickly. Low fat versus low carb. I'm guessing that this is something you will be talking about extensively coming up in your 12-week uh, plant-based weight loss program, isn't it? Absolutely. So we're going to really break down, you know, how much fat do we need? How much carbohydrates do we need? And what are good sources of them? And then getting to Karen's point about what's going on top of that pasta. So we're actually going to do cooking demos also to show people how to put together some yummy meals. There you go. Put it into practice right away. I love that so much. And you know what else I love? I love the fact that Karen Smith is back with us full time here at the Physicians Committee and is now available to see patients up at the Barnard Medical Center. So uh, telemedicine visits are available. I'm going to put that info right there up on the screen. 202-527-7500 is the telephone number or visit barnardmedical.org for a full list of states where services are available and insurance is accepted. So make your appointment today at barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500. Um, Karen, if somebody comes in and they would like for you to scrutinize what it is that they're eating a day. They want to fine tune their menu and try to get as healthy as possible. That's something you can absolutely work with them on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love to help people just improve their nutrition. And I think no matter, you know, where you're starting, there's always room for improvement. 
and Dr. Rahman to you, who is a fellow weight loss success. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that, you know, working with patients um, to get their weight under control and tackle obesity and not be, you know, one of the 40 plus percent of adults out there right now who are struggling with obesity, that has to be one of the most rewarding aspects of your job. You know, it really is, Chuck. It's it's amazing to see people transform their health once they start eating this way, lose the weight, and they'll often reverse their diabetes and high blood pressure. And it's just the most wonderful feeling to take them off their medications. There you go. You see it, 202-527-7500 or barnardmedical.org to make that appointment today. Karen Smith, Dr. Vanita Rahman, thank you both so very much for being here today. Thanks for having us, Chuck. If you scroll down to the episode notes, you will find links to register for both the 12-week weight loss program and to schedule an appointment to visit with Dr. Rahman and Karen at the Barnard Medical Center. Let's switch gears now and speak with someone who is already a weight loss success. As a matter of fact, she is way more than that. She's one of the most loyal viewers of The Exam Room Live on YouTube and Facebook every week. And over time, I kept seeing this name pop up in the chat room during the shows, Plant Fit Meg. I was like, well, who is this Plant Fit Meg that keeps posting? I, I didn't have a clue until she shared just an itty bitty sliver of her story one day. And then the other roomies who were chatting it up, they caught a little bit of it too. They caught wind of it. And then I clicked over to her YouTube channel. And the photos and the videos that I saw just blew me away. You see, it turns out that Plant Fit Meg is someone we can all look up to. She has had one heck of a health makeover, and that is why I am so excited that she is here with us today for a healthy dose of motivation. Meg, thank you so very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited because you have quite, quite the story to tell. You have lost 80 pounds and have completely transformed your health. And to look at you today, you would have no idea that you ever had to battle uh, your obesity demons. Yeah, it's true. You never know looking at someone where they've been and where they've come from, what they've dealt with. And yeah, I was 80 pounds heavier and dealing with a lot of health issues for sure. Let's talk about your story. I do love a good story and I think that this is going to be a fantastic one. Um, let's talk about this. So at your heaviest, uh, how much were you weighing at that point? Uh, about 220 pounds when I started this weight loss journey. I had been heavier in the past, but had kind of yo-yoed up and down and all around. Um, so this latest, last weight loss journey, health journey, I was about 220. I love the fact that you re refer to it as the last, because yes, I think that once you, once you, yeah, <laughs> you, you reach this and you kind of discover, you know, how to do things right. Mm -hmm. You really do realize that, hey, it's it's time to break out the scissors and cut the string on that yo-yo because there's not going to be any more up and down with with your weight here. Um, let's talk about how it was, though, that you got up to 220. You mentioned that you yo-yo dieted, but is weight something that you had struggled with uh, for a lot of your life? Um, I think it started in my late teens, um, being stressed about uh, getting into college and figuring out what I want to do with my life and having that kind of stress. And then gaining the freshman 15, which was more like the freshman 20 for me, and um, just kind of gradually gaining weight, losing a bit gaining more. And the trend was just kind of upwards as I went through my 20s. Um, I'm also a cancer survivor. I was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 20. So I dealt with that. And I went through conventional treatment for that because I had no idea that diet played a role at all. So obviously, that was very stressful. And um, when that was done and dealt with, and I was cancer free, 
I just wanted to move on with life and forget that it ever happened and just move forward. And uh, 10 years later, I found a plant-based diet and lifestyle and I haven't looked back since. Well, I'm I'm super glad uh, that you were able to make it through the other side of that cancer diagnosis. What form of cancer was it, if you don't mind my asking? I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I had a couple of surgeries and chemotherapy. And yeah, I've been cancer free for almost 15 years now. What was that process like for you? I've had a number of cancer survivors on the show. And for each of them, the, the story is a little bit different. How was that process for you? It was really scary for me. I was only 20 years old. I was in university. I was still living at home with my parents. And it was very unexpected. Uh, ovarian cancer usually strikes uh, people when they're older, um, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, later later in life. Um, so it was very shocking. I was told that I had a cyst that needed to be removed and, oh, put it in your five-year plan. It's not a big deal. And I was one in a million, you know, that it turned out that it was cancerous. And um, so, yeah, dealing with that was really challenging. Um, at the time, I felt like it was just down to my genetics and bad luck. And now I know that diet plays a role and it's not to place blame on myself for my cancer diagnosis, but it's to be empowered that I can reduce my future risk and um, be healthy and hopefully have a longevity. You know, a plant-based diet is not a panacea, but it will definitely reduce my risk for future diseases and cancer and heart disease and other diseases as well. Isn't that kind of the cool thing about the diet? You're right. It, it's it's not a cure-all, but yeah. it does check an awful lot of boxes as far as lowering the risk, you know, whether mm -hmm. it is of cancer or heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, you know, you name it. I mean, we've covered so many of these on the show and so many new studies seem to come out every single year that all point in, in this same direction. And it's really just uh, very promising. But um, let's go back to when it uh, when you were going through treatment. Um, Obviously, you weren't too familiar yet with the idea of a plant-based diet, if at all, at that point. So what were the kind of foods that you were gravitating to? Were you going toward comfort foods that were part of that standard Western diet still, or were you trying to eat a little bit healthier? i say it was a mix of both. I would try... I historically, I've always kind of gone back and forth where it's like, I try to be healthy, I try to do what I, I think is healthful. And at the time, it was, you know, eating salmon and uh, rice and, you know, a little bit of vegetable, but not not a ton. Um, and then I'd kind of go to the other side of things where I would definitely seek comfort in food as well. And when you're sick, people bring you food to help comfort you and to, you know, people know that I love chocolate. So I, I was gifted a lot of, you know, Ferrero Rochers and <laughs> chocolate and <laughs> things, goodies, and which was lovely. And people were so caring and um, it was nice to have people visit. And, but, you know, you're, you're sitting still, you're not able to exercise or move your body really, you're recovering. And uh, I definitely packed on the pounds after that as well. Were you active at all um, before this diagnosis, before you had to be, or, or you were sedentary a little bit? Yeah, I've always been fairly active. I danced as a kid and I was a dance teacher. Um, I guess I started teaching dance after after cancer, but um, yeah, I've, I've danced and uh, I was always fairly, fairly active, I would say. Yeah. And um, let's talk about that transition in between uh, when uh, you you were able to get clear of the cancer, which, by the way, that had to have been a heck of a day when the doctors told you you were fully in remission. Absolutely. When they tell you you're cancer free, it's like you won the lottery. And I was one in a million to have the diagnosis and to be told that, you know, there are cancer cells in this cyst and they've spread around a little and we need to do another surgery. And then it was like, okay, I'm one in a million again. I'm cancer free. So yeah, it was really exciting. So coming out that other side with that one in a million, um, you probably felt like you needed to make the most of the, the time. Like maybe you even felt like this was bonus time where you're getting a second chance at a lot of things. 
Yeah, I was really young. I was 20. So at the time, I I was obviously very thankful and so thrilled to be cancer free and not be sick anymore. But at the same time, I just kind of put blinders on and I just wanted to forget it ever happened completely. I just wanted to just close that chapter and pretend like it never existed and just go back to whatever I was doing previously in my life as a university student and uh, with my friends and my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband and all that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, oh, a good love story. All right. Well, yeah. we'll touch on that too. <laughs> um, so you say that you wanted to go back to the way that you had been doing things. Basically, you just wanted your life back. Um, did at, at that point, it still didn't click that maybe diet or lifestyle had played a role in um, in the diagnosis in the first place. Not to say that that's 100% what caused this, but there may be a chance that it did anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had no comprehension of that whatsoever. And it didn't occur to me at all when I asked doctors and oncologists, you know, why, why me? Why, why do I have cancer? What's going on? You know, I was told that these things happen, and it's down to genetics. And it just it just happens to people. And I didn't have an explanation that went into lifestyle or diet at all. And I had no comprehension of that at all, until a decade later. <laughs> but you've mentioned genetics a few times. Is this something that runs in your family? Yeah, my dad actually is also a cancer survivor. He had colon cancer. Uh, so yeah. Okay. Um, and so the, the 10 years in between, um, let's talk about some of the yo-yo dieting, uh, attempts here or the other attempts that you made to, uh, lose weight here, because I think anybody who's ever lost weight typically has that roller coaster ride until they finally get it figured out. So let's talk about some of those ups and downs that come along with that. How many different diet programs did you try over the next decade? I wasn't big on diet plans or diet um, pr programs and things like that. I had seen my mom do like Weight Watchers and things like that. But the idea of counting calories or tracking things was just not appealing to me at all. I was like, how, why? Like, it just never made sense to me. And so I would try to cut down on carbs. I love carbs for the record, but <laughs> in the past I didn't. And so, yeah, I would try to cut back on carbs, cut down my portion sizes. So I was just eating less food and less calories and um, try to stay, I tried to stay away from processed stuff, but I think in restricting my calories and over-exercising, then you go to the other side and you start overeating on things that are not good for you and overeating on the processed food and the candies and sweets and stuff like that. Yeah. How difficult was it for you to restrict those calories? Did you go to bed at nights feeling hungry or even have that hangry feeling from time to time? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I definitely had those moments where I was just cutting back so much in an attempt to lose weight. And I thought I was doing it in a healthy way at the time, too. So I was just very misguided and thought, oh, this is just how this is just the suffering you have to go through to lose weight when you're in a larger body. And uh, yeah, I didn't learn, learn more about how to do it properly until much later. What kind of foods were you gravitating to? You said like you you didn't eat a whole lot of carbs then, but you, you you love carbs now. So were you skewing if you had to say that it was close to any sort of diet out there? Were you more on that Atkins or keto kick where it's high protein, low carb? Mm, I'd say it was probably more of a paleo-ish style, okay. if anything. Um, yeah, I just, I would cut out any breads and I'd just eat like really tiny portions if I if I was eating carbs like if I was eating rice or something like that it would just be a really teeny tiny like almost nothing on my plate and then yeah it would be vegetables and meat gotcha essentially yeah gotcha. so how many times would you estimate that uh you would lose weight and then pack it uh back on too many to count, Chuck. Yeah, Too many yeah, to count. I, hear I don't you. know. I hear you. I hear <laughs> That's you. an excellent question, but I really don't. 
That's an excellent answer. It doesn't get much more honest than that. Um, so here's, here's why I asked that, right? Because in my experience, when I had attempted to get healthy until things finally fell into place, I would always slip up and, and, and it all went back to like, I thought I had it under control. I thought I could have just one nacho or, you know, uh, one slice of pizza, whatever the case may be. And I would be fine, but inevitably that would completely derail my progress. And I would just fall off of the food wagon. What was it for you that caused you to kind of slip up and return to those unhealthy habits? I think for me, it was convenience in the past. I didn't like cooking. I wanted to stay out of the kitchen. I just had no desire to spend any time there at all. So I think for me, it was very much convenience and also just the pleasure trap. You know, we're eating the standard American diet and it's highly addictive. And it's, you know, these foods are created so that you will eat them and overeat them and continue to eat them and want them. And uh, it just it does snowball, like you said, you know, one piece of pizza can often turn into, you know, many more plus ice cream, plus all these other things. What what were your go to's um, when you would uh, indulge, as it were? We were big on ordering pizza, for sure. Mm -hmm. That was a really big one. McDonald's was a big one, too. Yeah. 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 Man, those 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 are the toughies. Um, Yeah. What, let's talk uh, seriously about the emotions that come with uh, the attempts to get healthy and then the failure and then the attempt again and then the failure again and then ultimately you, you have success and it's fantastic. But what was that roller coaster like for you emotionally, not just the physical part, but talk about the emotional toll that it took for you? It's really challenging because you get to a point where you feel like you have it under control and you're doing something healthful for yourself and um, you feel good. And it's like, yeah, I got this. And you get a little momentum and you feel like you have it. And then inevitably there's a slip and a fall. And instead of picking myself back up and dusting myself off and getting back on track, it was just, you know, I'd fall off the wagon and it would just... I'd keep falling off the wagon and just making my situation worse and feeling really down on myself and really, really terrible and just not having self-esteem or confidence uh, that I could do it or that it was even possible to lose weight or to get healthy. Uh, Yeah, sometimes it would get really quite dark, honestly, that I could even make a change and uh, turn things around. Yeah. Uh, you you just hit the nail on the head. I think that there are probably thousands of people who are hearing this right now who are probably like, yep, I know exactly the place that she's talking about right now. Um, how though, when you were in those dark places, how were you able to pull yourself up and, and get that motivation to give it another go? I think it took time. I think um, sometimes being so down and feeling so upset about it, it's so easy to just say, screw it. I'm just, I give up. I'm, I'm just going to be fat forever. I'm just going to be unhealthy forever. And this is my lot in life. And going back to the whole genetics thing and thinking that, you know, this is just the way things are. This is just, this is my life. And I just have to deal with it and suffer through. And uh, to turn it around, I think it takes a shift in mindset and it takes time to come around to changing your mindset into one of positivity and one of, yes, I can do this. I have control. I have power over my destiny and it's not always going to be easy, but I can make it work and I can figure it out. Ooh, that is very well said. Very well said. Um, uh, do, uh, Do your parents struggle with their weight as well? My mom has always struggled with her weight for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, well, let's, let's talk about the fun stuff here. Let's talk about how Meg became, became plant fit Meg. Um, so you're, you're doing this whole yo-yo dieting, the roller coaster cycle here for a number of years after you, you've gotten cleared of cancer. Um, when did the whole idea of eating plant-based first pop up on your radar? Yeah, so about five years ago, I had been cancer free for a decade. 
And I was a new mom. My son was four months old at the time. And so with the combination of being cancer-free for a decade and also having our four-month-old and trying to decide, how are we going to feed him? Like, what are his first foods going to be? What is his diet going to look like long-term? And how are we going to have the energy and have longevity and um, be able to eat in such a way that models good behavior for him? So I started, I went on to Google <laughs> and I started looking, you know, what's the healthiest diet? Like how, how do people eat, you know, the most healthfully and plant-based diets popped up I'm like, Hmm, plant-based. Interesting. And I went down the rabbit hole, you know, I did a lot of research. I watched a bunch of documentaries. I watched fat, sick and nearly dead forks over knives, cowspiracy, I watched Earthlings and I decided overnight to switch my diet completely and my lifestyle and to go vegan and to eat a plant-based diet. All right. So you go overnight. You're clearly motivated to do that if you're going to make the switch just like that. But were you really, did you have any reservations about this? Was there any skepticism, even though at this point you had been pretty deep down that rabbit hole? Yeah, so I I love to research things. So I went into research mode and reading. I love to read. So I got into the China study. How Not to Die had come out right around that time. So I, I read How Not to Die and dug into that. I actually got to see Dr. Greger speak live, which was really cool. And um, I went to a conference a few months into my plant-based journey. Um, it was Remedy Food Project Toronto, which was really cool. I got to see a lot of really amazing people speak, like uh, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, Chef AJ, Brenda Davis, Garth Davis. Like it was just, it was crazy. There were so many people there that I admired and that I, you know, had done the research and watched these people talk, do talks online and watched YouTube videos. And um, so when I first made the decision, I did have reservations about how I would make it work because I didn't like cooking. I didn't really like vegetables. I was like, what am I going to eat? This is scary. Oh, but at dear. the same time, I felt really strongly that I wanted to do this and do my best and try to make it work. So I, I did. And I started with a five day juice fast to kind of reset my taste buds and, I don't recommend that for everybody. I don't think it's for everyone and I don't think it's necessary, but that's how I got started. And then I switched to a plant-based diet from there. And so you have a, a newborn son, four months old at that point, mm -hmm. I, I believe. And then uh, clearly you're married as well. Was your husband all on board with this too? No, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. He was like, were you, you want to do what? You want to go <laughs> vegan? Yep. Really? Yep, yep. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting. He he was confused, I think. And um he knows that I like to go into research mode and that I, you know, read and do all these things. So, I took him through why it would be the most healthful for our family, but more importantly for me at the time was to explain to him that it was the most healthful way to feed our son and to give him a good start in life and to have him be as healthy as possible. And so he agreed that we would feed our son Riordan a fully plant-based diet. So that was a win. I was really pleased that we could agree on that. And then I made the decision you know, for myself that I would eat a plant-based diet and he was not on board in the beginning. Um, he, we didn't eat meat at the house. We didn't have meat in the house, but when he was out and about, he would, you know, eat whatever he wanted. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting because initially he was not, not on board at all, but over time he came around and I'd say about four to six months in, he also made the switch and we've been pl a plant-based family ever since. Now you mentioned, uh, your son there again, and the, and the motivation was what was the healthiest diet to feed him? Mm -hmm. Um, and then that got me to thinking when I was popping around on your YouTube channel the other day, one of the videos that I saw, you said something to the effect of, 
you initially did not set out to lose weight. You set out to get healthy. Weight loss was not the primary goal. Was the health of your son really that prime motivation then to make this switch? Would you say it was him above all else? Um, overall, I would say it was probably him. Yeah, that was sort of the top, top priority, I guess I would say. But secondarily and close linked to that was me not wanting to get cancer again and mm. realizing, oh, I might have control over this. Mm. Like, huh, that, that got me thinking. And I also had other health issues. So I had dealt with asthma, endometriosis. I had chronic pain and chronic fatigue that would flare up and go away and it was undiagnosed and really distressing. Um, so in an effort to heal from those issues as well, that was another big reason why I made the switch. And you weren't really big on cooking at the beginning. So I think a lot of people may get tripped up by that. And they're like, oh my gosh, I have to spend how much time in the kitchen? I don't even know how to boil water. I could never do this. But you put in the time, the effort, the energy to learn how to do this. So what was that like for you as you built up your culinary knowledge? There was definitely a learning curve there for sure, but there are so many ways to make it easy and make it simple and not need to spend a ton of time in the kitchen. I kept it really, really basic in the beginning. I was like, okay, what do I already eat that's already vegan, that's already plant-based? Oats, cereals, you know, breads, whole wheat bread, things like that, um, and smoothies. I love smoothies. So that was, a, that was a good one. And then from there it was, okay, how do I make things plant-based that are not plant-based in my diet, but that I really love and enjoy and are easy to throw together. So if anyone has watched my channel, you'll have heard me talk about eating so much chili and pasta in the start of my journey. Uh, and those were kind of my two go-to easy meals that I could just throw together. And I just omitted the animal product and I'd add beans and I was good to go. Oh, that's such a good tip too. Um, when I made the switch, my wife and I used to love this pumpkin chili, but it called mm -hmm. for ground meat. And just as you said, I mean, you substitute the beans instead of the, the meat. And man, I mean, it tastes even better to me. It tastes mm -hmm. more clean and uh, certainly a lot more fiber and a lot more health benefits to go with it. So that's actually a really good tip that you gave is that when somebody makes this transition, they don't have to give up their favorites. There are plenty of ways to still get them on the plate just in a more healthful fashion, wouldn't you say? Definitely. And I was someone who was kind of a picky eater. I didn't lo love vegetables. And I was, I would say I was a little picky. And so yeah, it was um, keeping things really simple in the beginning and just not being too uh, fretful about creating a whole new repertoire of recipes in the beginning, but just making small little tweaks to recipes that I already had, that were just really easy to do and then expanding and growing from there and uh, incorporating different vegetables, different beans, different grains. And now it's like a whole new world has opened up to me because it's been five years. And uh, obviously my diet has changed a lot from the start of my plant-based journey to now. And yeah, but getting started, just keep it simple. Keep frozen veggies on hand keep, you know, make big batches of things that you can keep in the fridge, keep in the freezer and you're prepped and ready to go. Oh, I don't care if you're just getting started or you're five or years now. in. Yeah. Making <laughs> big batches of stuff is just the way to go. No, no question about it. Um, how has your relationship with vegetables evolved over these five years? You didn't like them at the start, but how do you feel about them today? I love veggies. Eat your veggies. <laughs> Give me your favorite. Oh my goodness. Potatoes, what? broccoli, Brussels sprouts, sweet potatoes. Yeah. Probably my top, top four. <laughs> and I, I, I would assume that your son does not have that typical child vegetable relationship where eh, Brussels sprouts push him away and, and just never to be seen again. Uh, is he one of those kids that just can't get enough veggies? 
He loves vegetables. Yeah. He he sings songs about vegetables. <laughs> he, yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah, he loves vegetables. He eats broccoli pretty much every day. And yeah, we've made Brussels sprouts in interesting ways and roast them up and use different seasonings and flavorings. And yeah, he loves it. I want to go back to your transformation here. Um, you know, we've we put up some before and after photos, uh, certainly at, at least at the beginning of the video. And I would encourage anybody to go look at uh, your Instagram page or YouTube channel as well uh, at Plant Fit Meg, by the way. Um, and and just take a look and just see this dramatic transformation. It, it's just absolutely remarkable. Um, what were some of the biggest surprises that you found as you were on this healthier path and you saw your weight, uh, begin to drop? What really kind of caught you off guard in a positive way? Uh, so many things, so many things. I was able to have my health back, which was shocking and amazing and so exciting once I finally figured that out. It wasn't a linear path for me to go plant-based and immediately have my health be amazing and stay amazing the whole time. I, you know, went plant-based and had a few hiccups. I got into, you know, the vegan junk food and had, you know, my health issues flare up and things like that. And so once I actually came to a whole food plant-based oil-free diet and saw all the benefit and had lost the weight and regained my health, the, you know, the biggest win in all of this is regaining my health. And um, I have a new zest for life, I would say, um, that I didn't have in the past. I'm looking forward to the future. And I, I'm so thrilled that I'm able to share it with others and, that I started the YouTube channel and that other people are checking it out and getting information and getting inspired. And that's probably the biggest win in all of this. When you say that your uh, health issues flared back up when you were eating a lot of that processed food, what are you referring to? Um, so I had asthma, endometriosis, and I also dealt with chronic pain and fatigue on and off over the years. And so when I first went vegan and I started eating a plant-based diet, I lost 60 pounds in the first year and I was feeling fairly good. And I was taking medication for my asthma and, you know, I was still taking medication, but I was feeling pretty, pretty good. And once I started reincorporating processed foods and, oh, I'm curious to try, you know, this and that and getting into processed junk foods and things like that my health issues would start to flare up and then I would be more stressed out and then my sleep would be affected and it would just be a big snowball effect. And um, yeah, those issues would flare up. And once I got a handle on being whole food plant-based, really fully committing to it, being oil-free, then I was able to lose more weight and completely regain my health. I'm now off of all medications. So yeah, it's amazing. Oh, congratulations. Off of all of your meds. I mean, you really do. Do you wake up in the morning and still kind of have this just, I can't believe this is my life now. I'm so grateful every day. Honestly, I'm so, so grateful, so thankful that I found a plant-based lifestyle and that I can live this way forever and enjoy my life and not fret about food and fret about these health issues that I had in the past that don't haunt me anymore. And so what are some of the more fun things that you've discovered um, since uh, you, you've taken this healthier form um, and you have this, this new body? For me, one of the things that I discovered was that I actually get cold now uh, when it's you know wintertime and it's chilly outside before I had all of this insulation. Is that something that you kind of experienced? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I feel cold pretty well all the time. It's very weird. In the past, I was someone who was just kind of comfortable most of the time. I wasn't super overheated or cold all the time. Now I'm definitely cold all the time. And that's weird. Uh, shopping is very different. So in the past, trying to find bras that fit, trying to find clothing that fit and that I was comfortable in and that looked nice was more challenging. And now it's 
very, very easy. It's a lot easier. And just getting my mind around being a smaller person and being in a smaller body, I'm still getting used to. And uh, it's interesting how your brain takes time to sort of catch up. And yeah, so there's been a lot of a lot of changes like that. Uh, you mentioned also on your YouTube channel that you were really kind of shocked uh, at the fact that that bra shopping for you now is so different. I mean, it's almost night and day um, for the women who are watching. And that is the vast majority of the audience. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So in the past, I when I would exercise, I would need to wear two bras at a time or wear something that was really maximum support, heavy duty, you know, really intense. And it was hard to find sometimes something that would work and that I would feel supported in. And it was expensive to find those options as well. And now it's just much, much easier. And it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, I really feel for people in larger bodies. And I feel for my previous self who was in a larger body and people shouldn't have to, you know, have a hard time shopping and finding what they need. Um, but at the same time now, it's it's much easier for me. So it's nice that I, I don't have that struggle anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I don't care what piece of clothing it is. Uh, it is absolutely uh, just an atrocity that people who are overweight, struggling with their weight, um, are punished um, because they have to pay more for clothes, you know, whether it's jeans, a shirt, a bra, whatever the case may be. I mean, you really do face this upcharge no matter what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that, I guess we'll, we'll kind of start to wind things down here. Um, would you say that by and large, there is this notion that when you eat a, especially a whole food plant-based diet, uh, it can be pricey. If you're an outsider, you're not really familiar with the whole idea of doing it. Like you have to be rich to do this, but now you're talking about being off all of your medication. You're talking about paying less for clothes. Um, and I assume fewer trips to the doctors as well. Um, how much would you say you've actually experienced, I don't want to call it a financial windfall or a financial gain, but have you found this to be a really expensive process or is everything kind of breaking even, or are you, you saving money at this point? I think even just in looking at our grocery bills from previous, when we were eating the standard American diet and eating a lot of processed foods and a lot of takeout and restaurant meals and things like that, even just looking at those bills versus our groceries now, we're saving for sure because we're not buying those really high priced processed items that, you know, add to add to your bill. Um, and we're, we don't eat meals out very often and things like that. So yeah, I think even just comparing the grocery bill and the food costs, we're saving for sure. And like you said, on top of that with saving on clothing and saving on bra shopping and things like that as well. And we also tend to do a lot of thrift shopping now for clothing and stuff like that too. So that helps as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so many, so many ways to save. And all of this adds up to more toys for the boy. So that's really <laughs> what this boils down to. Um, but if you could tell anything to your old self who was in her deepest, darkest time and really could not see that light at the end of the tunnel, if you could talk to that version of Meg today, what would your message be? I would say you have the power to make a change. You can do this. You just need to stick with it and be consistent and you'll get there. And if you're not where you want to be yet, it's just because you're not through your journey yet. You have to keep going and keep working on it and keep growing and keep learning and you'll get there. You will get there. And last question, uh, anybody who gets this chance now where they, they've reached their goal that they once thought was unachievable, I think gets to ask themselves this question. And you can look at it in one of two ways is, well, what do you want to do in the future? Or you still have your whole life ahead of you. So what do you want to be when you grow up? For me personally, what I want to do. Yes, yes. Oh. You. What, what, what do you want to do with this? You're so active on social media. You've got the YouTube channel. Like, Is this the space that you want to work in professionally or what are your goals now? 
Definitely. Yeah. So I want to keep going with YouTube and with sharing a plant-based diet and healthy lifestyle and showing people that it's easy and it's fun and you can include your kids. If you have kids, you can include them and have them be a part of it and um, that it's fun and it's doable and it's easy. My husband and I co-lead our plant-based group locally, and we're putting together nutrition workshops that we're hoping to host fairly shortly as well. And yeah, we just want to keep sharing the information and helping people out and inspiring others to take a look into this and give a plant-based diet a try and see if it helps you out the way that it helped me. Well, I will tell you this, you are an inspiration to so many people who are still struggling and looking for an answer, a solution that will work for them. And certainly you are living proof that a plant-based diet can indeed work and work wonders, not just to lose the weight, but to keep it off and more so beyond just the weight loss. I mean, all of the other conditions that you've been able to improve, you're off all of your medications now. That's so fantastic. And, and not to mention significantly lowering your risk of... Uh, having your cancer return. So I think all in all, you are doing a fantastic job. Thank you so much, Jack. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, if people want to find you, you are all over as Plant Fit Meg. You have a YouTube channel, which we have a link to in the description. You are on Instagram at Plant Fit Meg. We have a link to that as well. So go give a follow there. And you're over on Facebook as Plant Fit Meg. So you really are just kind of all over trying to get this message out. Absolutely. I think it's so important. And I think I just got to a point in my journey and in my life where it's just too good not to share. Like I have to share it. I, I need to put this information out there and to share my story of, you know, healing and losing weight and to show others that it's possible and that it can be really simple and really fun. And your YouTube channel is also a lot of fun. And uh, I, I will just encourage the viewers and the listeners right now to go and look at that if for no other reason, because you told a hilarious story about how you like to kind of dance in the kitchen or around the house with your husband and you guys used to do the hip bump. But the hip bump really, I mean, it's a lot different today versus when uh, you, you were still 80 pounds heavier and used to send your husband flying across the room. So the story that you told on your YouTube channel about that is just phenomenal. So <laughs> I want to just thank you for that because I was doubled over listening to that yesterday. You're welcome. I'm glad we gave you a good laugh from our real life dancing in the kitchen stories. <laughs> that's just it. It is real life. And that's the best part about it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Plant Fit May. Thank you so very much and congratulations for everything. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for everything you do with PCRM. It's amazing. I got to say the before and after photos of Meg are just something else. And I've put some up on my Facebook page. And then also, if you follow me on Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC, you will find some of them there as well. I mean, it's almost unrecognizable, the transformation that she has had. And then to think about everything also that Meg has overcome, it really puts things into perspective. And her story suddenly makes your own goals seem like they're much more within reach. So I'm really glad that she was able to come on the show today with us and share her story with us. Because, man, that is motivation. And there are links to follow Meg in the episode notes as well. And if you, if you hop over on her Instagram page... You will notice that her health makeover now has turned into a full-blown makeover. She is sporting quite the new haircut these days. One that is saving a bunch of time trying to style everything just right. I mean, heck, there's nothing even to style these days. But you know what? She pulls it off and she looks fantastic. Plant Fit Meg doing it her way and I love it absolutely love it and I would also love it if you could take a moment right now to share this nutrition knowledge and this inspiration 
Help it find someone who thinks that they could never get healthy. Someone who feels like their genes are their destiny and there is no diet in the world that could possibly ever help them. Well, let's get them that help. That help that they don't even realize is just waiting for them to find it. It's right around the corner. And one of the easiest ways that you can help this person is by subscribing to this podcast, the Exam Room Podcast, by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever shows are available. And when you subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating because every new subscription and five-star rating helps us climb just a little bit higher in the podcast ratings. And the higher we climb, the easier it becomes for those who need this information the most, those who need to be inspired and educated. It helps those people find this show and it helps to make their world a healthier place. And for today, that's going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you once again to Dr. Vanita Rahman and dietitian Karen Smith for joining us. And don't forget to sign up for their 12-week weight loss class. Link to do that is in the episode notes. And of course, another big thank you to Plant Fit Meg for sharing her journey with us here today. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs>